Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Learning to Fly the Podcast. Today, to celebrate National Poetry Month, I'll be sharing some of Tristan Matier's poetry. Much like Ian Thomas's, her works tend to be much shorter, they tend to be much more concise, and they deserve a little bit of room between them to digest them. So while I will get to share more of her work with you today, um, there will be more silence in this piece so that you can digest, you can take the time you need to understand her work. And I will say that her work is definitely not for everybody, but it is a great example of what uh, contemporary poetry is. And she has a very fantastic voice, and she talks about many subjects that people find hard to approach or hard to understand. So without further ado, here is my favorite piece of Tristan Matera poetry. Here is the careful, quiet way of loving. You do not ask her when she is leaving town again, not because you do not feel this pulsing ache to know, but because you do not want to make her say it. You do not want to ask her to stay. Her cheeks bloom like roses, but your garden has been empty for a long time now, and it is not her job to fill it. You never say goodbye. Permanence is a dreadful thing, so instead you say, I'll be seeing you and you make it sound like a damn promise, something you will hold close and not leave scattered at the foot of some dark-eyed stranger's bed. You tell her that you love her, that you keep it in the simplest terms. Leave out all the poetic nonsense because you're not trying to woo her, you're just trying to show her something warm and light, something honest in the middle of all this bullshit, all the one-liners, all the people who never stayed, and you never, ever make promises that you don't intend to keep. So ever since I first read this piece, it has sent shivers down my spine. It's a great example of what her work can do. It shows that she has a very simple choice of words, but everything that she writes is incredibly well written, and it is full of her voice, and her voice is something that we don't see a whole lot in poetry. She makes use of cursing. She makes use of metaphor and overplaying that metaphor in some cases, but also she is one of the people who writes the very most about wanting to move on but never actually doing it. So I think that a lot of people relate to her pieces at some point or another in their lives. So I'll just take a quick moment to thank our sponsor for today's episode and I'll be back to share more Tristan Matier poetry. Alright, so the next piece I want to share with you is titled Poem in Which the Moon Breaks Up With Me. And this is one of the most well-received poems, this is one of the most requested poems, and this is probably one of the poems that Tristan Matier herself is the most proud of. Um, She is a very talented artist, she does a lot of found media projects, and quotes from this piece end up in a lot of those works. But that could just be speculation, it could just be because it's popular. Anyway, poem in which the moon breaks up with me. Sugar, you never sleep anymore. It's the time difference. I don't want to miss your calls. But I'm worried about you. I hate the idea of you waiting by the phone, orbiting around somebody like that is no way to live. I don't think either of us are really getting what we want. 
Not to be cliche, but maybe we need a little space. You've got to be fucking kidding me. And believe it or not, that is the entire poem. The next piece that I really want to share with you from Tristan Matier's collections is You Could Be Happy. And this is from her collection, Honeybee. I'm sorry I'm not telling you what collections all of her works are from. I own all of them, with the exception of Poetry is Undead. Dying to get my hands on that, so if you happen to see a copy, let me know. Other than that, uh, this one I know for a fact is from Honeybee, so I'll share it with you. You could be happy. There are a lot of people closer to you with softer hearts and mouths that do not come with salt rims. I implore you to seek them out. You can still try this out if you like. But I am not a taste that improves with time. Ask anyone who's ever left me slack-jawed and leaking. You deserve so much better than me. And my God, it has taken me a long time to be able to articulate that without the sarcasm or bitterness. There is more light in the corners of your lips than there is in all of me on all my best and brightest days. It's like flashlights and sunbeams, apples and oranges. I don't know how to make this okay. Every minute I let you stick around feels selfish. The next one I'd like to share with you is I Swear. And this is one of my favorite poetry pieces to make blackout poetry with. So, I swear. The apples of your cheeks taste more like strawberries, sticky, sweet, and pink. You are always blushing, a cascade of color from your ballet shoes to fairy floss skin like sponge sugar, and your lips curve like the sun put to bed, always aching down, down, down. But I swear there are roses in the corners, like whatever god you believe in handpicked the seeds sunk into your cheeks. You are the first thing in a long time that has made me want to write poetry again. The next one I'd like to share with you firecracker optimist and this is another fun one to make blackout poetry from the part of me that wants to beg you to stay is a firecracker optimist all empathetic gestures and wide spontaneous smiles it is the part of me that drew you in and it is the part of me that keeps you coming back when you were still coming back but now i almost always have tired eyes wandering hands a mouth that is slipping into frowns more often than i like to admit and you are still bursting at the seams in a small town. I do not blame you. The sound of clock hands is thunderous. More than wide open spaces, it is careless, unyielding, and fresh from the fight. You are not looking for calm seas. I know you want to dig your hands into something, find your favorite spot in a new torn, in a new town, with your arms wrapped up in a better lover. Summer is cold without you here, and winter is colder still. Maybe the part of you that I will beg to stay to set up room in my chest, even if you leave the windows open, will be a singular commas curve dimple that snuck out on the perfect Thursday afternoon when we were, yes, young, now, but still younger. Young, wide-eyed with the pits of hope in the center of us, instead of fear and dread or anxiety or pity, things we picked up gradually, things I am still picking up, and I know how to put them down. 
Once you wrote me a letter and you said, I know it always sounds like I'm saying goodbye, but I'm not. And you were right. I love you for that. I always will. I am the one always saying goodbye. The next piece by Tristan Matier that I'd like to share with you today is Small Ghost Looks to the Future. On her collection, um, Small Ghost was probably my favorite collection that she's put together. It was incredible, the imagery was perfect, and it was what I needed when it came out, uh, to say the least. So, Small Ghost Looks to the Future thinks about flowers on her kitchen table and the way light looks slipping through the blinds at 10 a.m. Thinks about the taste of strawberries and creme brulee and other people's mouths fresh with toothpaste. Thinks about airports and train stations and how rain makes everybody feel a different way. Thinks about the bookshelves and frost and and instrumental movie soundtracks. Thinks about how sweet it might be to be soft again. Thinks about thawing like ice. Thinks about budding like spring. Thinks about laughing until it doesn't hurt to breathe anymore. Thinks about how hard it is to admit that she wants things because it means she might get not get them. Then, wants things anyway. The next piece I'd like to share with you is titled, How Not to Forgive. When I was small, I remember my mother saying that she believed aliens helped build the pyramids. She used to keep crystals around. She used to carry healing stones. She used to believe my father would always come back to her. Now she is older. She prays to the nail marks in somebody else's palms, but not I don't think she believes in forgiveness anymore. She sent me to Sunday school in little floral dresses, not to torture me, but to teach me this. Hurt me once, shame on me. Hurt me twice, shame on me. Hurt me three times, shame on me, but fuck you. Hurt me four times and we'll get severed head biblical. We will pick up stones. And now that I am older, I don't give a damn about sin. I will be the first to cast one. The next piece I'd like to share with you is the poem that begged not to be written. For the one who broke me like bread at the dining table and then told left me mid-meal. For the one who called himself an animal so I didn't have to. For the one who cut me in half and scooped me out all of my nice, all of my forgiving, all of my trust. For the one who cheated. For the one who bruised. For the one who left. I learned the word fuck from my mother's tongue. As in fucker. He fucking left me. He fucking left. I learned the word no from myself. From somewhere deep in the pit of me, it rose like some ancient thing and slank its way out of my throat, heavy-handed. Will I ever let the guard down long enough to learn anything new? Fuck no. And I think that when I mentioned at the beginning that her poetry very much embraces curse words and very much embraces cliche and very much embraces um, the, the typical love story of somebody leaving and meeting up in airports or running to train stations to stop them or have the final goodbye or whatever the case is. Um, Her work very much emphasizes on that because for a while that was her life. And she's probably one of the most well-traveled before being published poets of uh, contemporary poetry. The next one I'd like to share with you 
is sorry give me just a second I want to be sorry for this I wrote our breakup poem two weeks after we started going steady. I wrote our breakup poem before I ever said I love you. I wrote our breakup poem before we moved in together. My hands are still shaking from night spent not knowing how to want you. And I think that's a really incredible piece and it shows part of what is expected of modern women poets, especially the younger ones, but it also kind of defies that. (laughs) The next one I want to share is titled Plums. I spent too much time thinking about fucking you. Admittedly, somehow, that seems more acceptable than all the time I spend thinking about silly things like my head on your chest and whether or not you'd like my mother's recipes or my affinity for pitted fruits. And the reason I wanted to share this one with you is because in a lot of Tristan Matier's work, she talks about plums, she talks about tangerines, she talks about peaches, and how those different fruits remind her of a different person, remind her of a different chapter of her story, remind her of a different phase she was in. And that's pretty much all they boil down to is phases, but what she learned from them as well. And the final one I want to write with, uh, share with you is blame the writer in you. You meet him at the train station 20 minutes late. He smiles anyway. You breathe, you breathe, you breathe. He says, I was so nervous about our date, so I looked you up on the internet. I saw your poetry. You breathe. You breathe. You breathe. He tilts his head to the side, all posturing, all posed, like a mannequin, like a movie still, like five other men you've been on dates with this month. He asks if you are going to write about him, and you growl, but you do. And if you're looking for something new uh, to read or you're looking for a new way to support your uh, indie bookstores, there is a book that Tristan Matier is in the process of publishing called When the Stars Write Back, and it's scheduled to be released in June. So this is a really great way to pre-order a book that is a little bit different from her normal books. This one's a little bit more about healing. This one's a little bit more about the growth and uh, the way that she grew up and how she kind of outphased herself. Um, But it also is, like I said, a great way to support your local indie bookstore, a great way to support a fantastic up-and-coming poet, and a great way to be a part of something that the world needs a little bit more of, poetry. So without further ado, thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Learning to Fly the Podcast. And if there's a poem you want to hear, make sure to leave me a message so you can be part of my poem in the Poet in Your Pocket Day episode. Thanks so much, and I'll see you again tomorrow.